and welcome once again to the Else Attitudes podcast, the podcast that delves into the realms of addiction recovery and the transformative journeys that lie within. Today marks the powerful continuation of our conversation with the inspiring Claire Kennedy. In this two-part series, we're delving deep into the topic of family dysfunction. In the first part, Claire courageously shared her personal journey of addiction and recovery for her and her husband, Kevin Kennedy. So if you haven't already, we highly recommend going and watching that episode first. Today, in part two, we focus on the intricate dynamics of family relationships. Claire sheds light on the challenges of repairing family bonds that are often strained by addiction. Join us as we explore the profound impact of family dysfunction and uncover the healing possibilities that arise when we confront these issues head on. This episode is hosted by our very own Lester Morse with special guest, Claire Kennedy. Get ready for a candid and insightful episode of the Altered Attitudes podcast. Let's get into it. Claire, uh, one of the things that you talked about that's kind of really become more and more of an interest to me over the years is about about families. Again, I'd probably use the word dysfunctional, but I know that's not a can't think of a better word uh, at this point. But and 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 again, working in the addiction treatment field over the years, we used to do a lot of family talks because I realised that that Alanon. Um, is a fantastic support group and the people that went the families that actually went and engaged you could see a massive difference in them that actually supported the people with addiction problems recovery and but I also thought that you know there's there's, there's not a lot of help for families and it is again it's a very complex um, problem and, and so talking to the families over the years I'd always leave them feeling I wish I could have done more for them because again it's it's like I guess another word that's probably not the greatest of words for me is codependency but I think if we started to discuss it now for maybe an hour and a half two hours a week it may still take a couple of years like it did for you for someone to actually understand what it actually means because it's very difficult you realize with families that it's like I'd say to them how much money have you spent on your child, your loved one, your husband, your wife? And they would often say, you know, it could be hundreds of thousands of pounds. People had remortgaged their houses, they'd cashed in their pensions. And then you say, how many hours have you spent running them around, paying off dealers, you know, going through all of the terrible suffering that families have to go through, which there is no statistic for which I wish there was. I yeah. wish there was a statistic for suffering because we'd all be shocked about how much suffering goes on in the families. But but then you'd say to them, look, why are you actually doing that? They'd say, we're exhausted. They, they've literally exhausted their families, their parents, their finances. They're like, we just can't help anymore. We can't pay for rehab one more time. We can't pay another dealer off. They've literally exhausted all of our resources. And it's like, well, why do you do it? And they're like, because I don't want them to die. And it's like, and or I'm helping them. And it's like, well, have you helped them? They're like, yeah, I've helped them get worse. <laughs> and, and, 
and, and there's no, they, they, they don't know that way out. And again, and, and, and what I realise is unless you can convince somebody that there's a better way, which, see, what they're all doing is natural. They're all naturally responding because all of the families that you meet, they all respond in the same way. Now, once they've done 10, 15, 20 years of it, a couple hundred grand, thousands of hours of pacing around police cells, hospital beds, they generally start figuring out, I'm not helping here. I'm helping to make this worse. Um, but they, nat they, they people naturally respond in, in, in certain ways. So going to Al-Anon and learning, and again, people go, oh, well, it's tough love that that's got a bad rap. Like, oh, well, you want me to kick him out and all the rest of it? It's like, well, it's not saying that. It's just saying that there possibly is a better way, but it's not a way that you would naturally develop. You may have to go. And again, it can be just as difficult getting a family member to go and get some treatment for themselves as it yeah. is because they're the same like you're saying. Well, I haven't got a problem. If they stop, I'll be all right. And especially like mothers with children that, that obviously have issues of their own, it's very hard especially if they've got guilt or shame, to stop them completely enabling their their children. So again, it is very complex and like most things, very controversial opposite views of each other. Um, but I know professionally you've done a lot of work around that. So I'd really love to um, to get your experience of what you've kind of learned about, you know, the family afterwards kind of. Yeah, or during it, it, actually the family during and afterwards. It is it is so complex, Lester. As you know, you know there isn't <clears throat> there isn't a mm. one size fits all, but there isn't enough talked about family recovery. So I think you know, obviously, doing podcasts like this are really helpful because what it does is it it just changes the narrative. Um, you know, and people say to me, you know, oh, I've not got it in me for this tough love. It isn't tough love. It's called self-care. If you, you can't pour from an empty cup, if, if you're operating in fear and chaos and dysfunction, what are you going to get? You're going to get fear, dysfunction and chaos in return, aren't you? So it's like, unfortunately, I had to learn the hard way. And my experience of working with other family members is they have to learn the hard way too. It's like the addict. You know, it isn't a case of just being told, stop drinking and stop drug taking. And then go, oh, thank you for that information. I'll go now and just stop drinking and drug taking. It isn't, it's, it isn't as simple as that for the family either. It takes a long time to get into dysfunction. I know we call it dysfunction. It's got such negative connotations, but basically it, they're all learned behaviours, you know, as family members. <clears throat> and you can't, you can't practice a new way unless you learn a new way. You don't know what you don't know, do you? It's like recovery from anything. No. I look at the family recovery as prolifically as <clears throat> the recovery for the addict. It's as important. Um, and, and I say to family members, this isn't a choice. If you want your addict to, your affected other, I call them, if you want your affected other 
to initiate change. You have to show them how you're going to initiate change in your life. It's a power of example, you know, and whatever it takes for you to do that, you have to be willing to go to any lengths. You have to be willing to 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 go to retreats. I don't think there's enough retreat type places. There aren't. I, I, there definitely aren't any rehabs I know of that help family mm. members. Um, but I do think that there's definitely scope for more work to be done around family recovery. And I know for sure I get people on a daily basis ringing me from all over the country, asking me to help their loved one. <clears throat> um, and what I do say, it's standard really, is there isn't much I can do to help your loved one at this point, but I know I can help you if, you, if you're looking to change. And that's a magic. That's a magic word, isn't think, it? I think because inter- even when they're supporting them, like giving them money, dealing with the dealers, you know, all of that stuff. That again, they say, you know, again, um, people when you're talking like this from the point of view that I come from would probably want to shout at me. But you can't help a dead addict. You can't help a dead addict. What you're always killing them is like. Well, actually, so's your way. Yeah. You're trying to do these interventions. But people do get trapped when you actually help boil it down for people. It's to say, look, so what you're saying is the reason that you're helping them and you're willing to literally let them dismantle your life. Remember, and probably the same for you, I've had parents say, I effing hate them. I hope they die. And I'm so ashamed of myself. But the torment they've caused and the destruction they've caused their family that takes a lot for a parent to get to that place. And they've been through a lot. But then it's like you say to them, it's like, because again, I believe they're in a hostage situation that it's like, if you don't help me, I'm going to kill myself or I'm going to die. And so you say, why are you actually doing it? And they're like, I couldn't live with myself if they die. Yeah. And so it's they're like, operating in fear, you know they're they? dying anyway. Yeah. They're operating in fear. Well, it's, yes, because again, it's it's preferable it's preferable for them to die with them helping them, even though that's not what they would want, than it is for them to die without them not helping them. Yeah. And and so the alternative, which I think is offered in Al-Anon, when you understand it, is saying, look, we're not saying don't help them, because again, I think we've kind of realised that. You know, you may be keeping it alive, but at the same time, you may be killing them. We're just saying there may be a better way of helping them, but yeah. that may be uncomfortable for yourself, and that's the bit you may have to address. Yeah, and that's the learning. That's the new way, isn't it? It's like you can't mm. you can't help somebody if you don't know what you're talking about. It's like you said earlier. There are loads of people out there that have got opinions you know that that you can go to you know you're not you're struggling with your mental health and suffering with depression you can go and ask somebody for help some people don't know what they're talking about you know you, some people could quite some of the suggestions that people can make could, could kill you you know so what you have to do is <laughs> you know I, I see it all the time you know when people who are suffering with mental health or dual diagnosis you know and somebody will tell them you know, oh, in my opinion, you don't need those tablets, you know, and it's like not, it's nobody else's, it's nobody else's business Um, if somebody takes tablets for their mental health. It's between them and their doctor, you know, so you have to be mindful of who you ask um, for support, 
you know, and that's why I always encourage people to do some due diligence. Start my 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 first thing to say to people is do some research. Look at this as you are going to have to embark on a life changing experience like your loved one is. For your loved one to stay well, they're going to have to embark on a new way of life. For you to stay well, so are you. But do some due diligence, do some research, go to the CODA website now is absolutely phenomenal. I don't know if you've ever looked at it recently, Lester, but it is a great starting so point. Oh, honestly, I don't know who, who's done their, their redesign, mm. but they've done a splendid... I, I toff my hat to them. They've done a splendid job. And on mm. the CODA website, they've got lots of stories, um, lots of podcasts, lots of... Um, written stories that you can read that uh, and again look for the similarities and not the differences so the families are harder to help than the addict the addict knows what their problem is the addict hands usually is holding their hands up going yep yeah, I've got a drug problem I realize I need to stop taking drugs the family members don't know that they've got a problem yet they still want to blame their addict. So helping so that for them to get some realization. And, and, I, think, and I think there could be. I think there's sometimes there could be sometimes sort of some truth in that. In the sense, I think there's often a difference between somebody that um, gave birth to somebody that developed an addict problem. They did, than somebody that actually chose an addict to be in yeah. a relationship with. If you. You know, if you chose an addict to be in relationship with, even before they were, you know, you could really see that they've got a problem. There's still, I think, maybe something going on inside you long before you chose that person. Like I think you, you said yourself, your father was a drinker, and so that yeah. would have set up some uh, issues in you that. You know, it's funny because you'd always think that people would go and look for the opposite, but it's not. They usually go and yeah. look for the, yeah. the 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 same as that they're used to. And I think the thing is, is you've worked in this sector for a long time. I've worked in this sector for a long time. And what I've realised is every single person that I meet is unique. Every single person. Mm. If they've got an addiction, I look at family recovery as if the family members got an addiction to the addict and their drug of choice. And you know how hard it is for the addict to give up drinking drugs. It's as hard for the family member, if not more so for especially the mothers. Mothers of addicts uh, are by far the, the hardest people to help. So everybody's difficult to help. So there's nothing not... worse than a guilty mother. A guilty mothers are the worst of all. Well... And often, obviously, it's varying degrees, but sometimes I get mothers that come who've had addictions themselves, who've got kids who've then gone on to have addictions. Yeah, they're, the, off, they're often the oh, guilty ones. Oh, gosh, off the scale with guilt and shame. And they, they do do a lot of mm. self-harm to themselves, you know. And it is about, it's just about connecting them, helping them find those people, their community, their people, their their women if it's women, their men if it's men, helping them find their people. Like you said, all it takes is one or two people 
to say the right things, to speak those words into your life that touch your soul. But I do believe that family members need to have reached a rock bottom too. They have to have got to a point of despair and brokenness like you've never known brokenness before because a mother will walk over hot again, coals. I, I, I see that again, I sort of concluded over the years that, again, things have to get so bad um, because the interventions aren't there. Because society really still hasn't got a good understanding of what addiction is. They keep thinking it's a drug and alcohol problem. And and I think that, so there's very little education. And again, in 33 years of being in addiction treatment, there's very little understanding and very little education for the... Not for, um, not even for the people with addiction. Never mind the families. It's almost like there's zero support. Again, they can go to great groups like Al-Anon, Coda, um, and 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 again, there's a wealth of information. But again, I think society should be promoting. Look, if we can, there's all this information that you're really going to need to understand if you're going to help to make a difference. If you're going to Look, it's, we're not saying don't do interventions. We're just saying that there's interventions that are proven to work better. And But you're yeah. going to have to learn them because naturally you're going to do A, B and C because that's what makes sense, but it doesn't work. Um, so what you've got to learn isn't a natural response. You're going to have to almost go against your natural response to say, you know, I think like like you said, that moment when you decided I've got to leave, that was literally sort of going against your natural response, which would be to stay and fix. That that is yeah. that which I've done. I've tried to years has and... to be learned, but it's not being taught. <laughs> yeah, and and everybody that I often hear that's, that share the story that you shared, it's often the same elements that they went to either a rehab where they learnt this information, they went to 12-step meetings where they learnt this information, they went to Al-Anon where they learnt this information, but it was the learning of this information that started to make the difference in their life. And it's the continuity Especially for them that wanted yeah. to actually act upon that information. Yeah. And it's for the family, it's exactly the same as it is for the addict. It isn't a case of just knowing. It isn't about knowing, oh, oh, so I am an affected other and my life has become unmanageable. It's about them engaging in a process where they commit to going to meetings, to get involved, to have people around them, other people that they can help. Because what happens in the helping, in the being of service is <clears throat> we're reminded, aren't we? on a daily basis of the enormousness of our powerlessness. That's the whole purpose of being of service is we're reminded on a daily basis, every time we help somebody, just how absolutely powerless we are over everything and that we do need a, a, a power greater than ourselves. Whatever you choose to call that power is entirely up to you, but whatever that power is, we do need something bigger than all of us to help us. And that is the purpose of getting involved in a family fellowship. It's exactly the same. They need reminding on a daily basis because I can guarantee you, 
if you're a family member and you're affected by somebody else, if you're, you've got codependency issues, which most family members have got, which most addicts have got, actually, once you take away the drink and the drugs, often beneath addiction is codependency. So there's a lot, a big, a huge piece of work everybody should be doing um, on themselves around codependency because, you know, drink and drugs are just a mask, aren't they? Um, but codependency issues, I think everybody's got, up to a certain degree, underlying issues there. But going and getting involved in those sorts of fellowships, you're reminded when you go to those meetings of what you need to be reminded of by going to those meetings. You know, if I don't go to meetings, Lester, I'm 25 years, right, <clears throat> clean from drug addiction and alcoholism, 28 years in family recovery, if I don't go to meetings, I don't get reminded of who I am and where I've come from and the enormousness of what 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 God has set me free from. But I can take back at any moment. Do you know what I mean? I can take back my dysfunction and my codependency. God's given me two children. Uh, you know what I mean? It doesn't take... Doesn't take all, but those, all those parents that we're talking about that struggle with their kids, I get it now. I've got two kids. What would I do if one of my kids came to me and said, I need help? You know, there's so much work to be done. So, and it's, I, I, even though I'm 25 years clean from drug addiction and alcoholism and 28 years in family recovery, I'm still evolving. I'm still becoming this beautiful person that God's put me here to be. You know, I still need help. Like you said, I, I don't need many people these days sometimes i do sometimes i need therapy so i'll go and get it you know sometimes i need specialist help you know i'm just gone through the perimenopause maybe a bit too much information nobody quite prepares you for that as a woman so i needed to get some help with that you know um there's loads of things that we need help with we're evolving but if i don't go and plug into those communities that can help me i don't get the continuity and care that i need and that's what recovering communities offer, isn't it? It's continuity. It's not just knowledge. Yes. It's not just going and having a therapy session and going, oh, well, I'm educated now. I know about perimenopause or about addiction or about whatever. It's about going and having that continuity in care. Would you, have you got any books that you've come across on these subjects that have come to mind that you think are pretty but good for people great... to read? Yeah, oh gosh, I've got an arsenal of books. Can I take you with my laptop? I'll show you my books. I can't think of titles. I've, don't forget, I'm perimenopausal, so my brain's a little bit... I can't, my memory's terrible. I'm going to show you around a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the hub. This is... Look, you see that heart up there? That's what's at the heart of what yeah. we do. Love. Absolute mm. tons of yeah. stuff. And then we've got all these beautiful books here, <laughs> which I've collated over the years. I'm just trying to think of ones that I've personally found really, really helpful. Breathing Underwater is very good for those that are in recovery, that are looking to understand the spiritual side. Have you ever heard of that one, Breathing Underwater? Yeah. I've heard of it. I've Richard not read Raw. it. Richard Raw. Very good. Is um, um, a Jesuit monk. It's beautiful. He, he explains it very, very well. Breathing underwater. That's highly recommended. 
and obviously codependent anonymous book so it's like the the big book um for coda very yeah. very interesting stories in there they do a lot of inner child work at coda um and one of the things that i've been doing recently with our volunteers so don't forget our volunteers we train them up to become peer mentors and then we train them up to become recovery we call them recovery coach connectors so that they're basically connecting people to where's my book gone somebody, somebody better not have robbed it oh no they've not this one's very good it's called understanding your inner child and overcoming addiction and it's really relevant to and that's by um a therapist called um nathan jones who's a great i don't know if you know him do you know nathan lester no he's a great guy no so, Oh, he's a lovely guy. You should get him on one of your podcasts. Wonderful, wonderful man. He's written this recovery oh. manual um, and workbook. I, I think it's just about going to be and ready on Amazon recovery, soon. when you say recovery, that's from... In a child when trauma. When you say recovery, that's from, from childhood trauma. Yeah. That, that, that's, so, so this that's is a big piece of work. That's mostly what child work deals with. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's yeah. his workshops are really interesting because it isn't all about addiction. Um, you know, like, you know, you must have met family members who have come from very wealthy families um, whose kids have gone what? on to become addicts. You know, yes. there isn't there isn't anything that stops people becoming addicts. Um, but. Um, Nathan talks in that book uh, and in his workshops around about um, all of the different types of personalities that, that, that kids have and that they develop. And boredom is one of them. You know, so kids that are often palmed off with money and like, oh, you know, here's another Xbox, here's another, you know, here's another hundred quid, go out and play with your mates, you know, here's the... Kids, it, it's neglect. It is traumatic. It's quite a traumatic experience for them. So it's, yeah. it's like you said, they're looking for people to care. They're looking for people to say, are you all right? Do you want a cuddle? You know, or whatever their love language is. Um, what other books are really yeah, helpful? Well, it kind of leaves you, leaves you pretty vulnerable in life if you end up developing that kind of, um, I don't know what the word would be, like sort of, I very much look at my nervous system that I've been trying to kind of protect it and satisfy it and uh, because it, I felt for me, because again, I think having addiction and being dysfunctional are two different things. If you've got the both of them, you're in big trouble. But the most difficult one to treat, I think, is the dysfunction, but you can't treat that until you deal with the addiction. And most people opt to not deal with that dysfunction they try, or if they they what they want to they want to learn to um, live with it rather than try and heal from it because it's too traumatic to order to to heal from it. And again, I think that's a lot to do with our society is very backward. If you were surrounded by people that were dealt with a lot of trauma, uh, that would really be helpful to you because I think because I'm a believer that the environment kind of causes it, but. The solutions also in the community, which again I think you've discovered that, which is why you you set up Kennedy Street to create a 
community because that environment itself can be very um, healing to people because it it's long term it take it can take a long time yeah it was what was missing at the beginning when we started our journey it was what was missing there was no there was nowhere to go there was nobody to ask you know we went to the doctors and doctors said mm. um he needs to stop drinking you know um but there was no one to talk to about it no like i say nobody suggested the doctors didn't suggest going to aa they certainly didn't if it wasn't for that northern irish nurse at the hospital I don't know what where that where I'd started. I think the most important thing is start somewhere. You know, for anybody, if it, if if it was one top tip I would leave you with, it would be if you if you're a family member, and you do have an affected other, start by reaching out and asking for help to either Alanon, Naranon, Coanon. Uh, there's CODA, you know, look at yourself. There's another one, which is Eckhart Tolle, which is The Power of Now, which is a really good... It's about starting the journey, because the journey doesn't finish too, once you know. That book's too slow for me. Is it? I'm waiting, yeah, I'm waiting for a power right now to come out. Instant gratification, please. <laughs> this is a really good one as well. So this is, it's called understanding addiction through the eyes of a child, uh, through the uh, re understanding addiction and recovery through the eyes of a child. So it's mm. a really powerful book for like mothers or fathers that have been affected by addiction um, for them to help their kids because often family members that when you've got kids you you often start then parenting through guilt and giving over trying to overcompensate with kids because you've not been you've not been there so they start you know kids get away with murder don't they you know and then they, under, well, you, they don't and again, understand i think why. even when i think your parents in addiction are very selfish which makes you feel not cared for but then when they often come into recovery and they're full of guilt, then even when they're trying to be kind and nice to you and repair the damage that they've done, it's still very coming from a very selfish place. And, you know, it's still more about them than you. And I think that can take yeah. a few years for someone to, 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 to figure that out. It's like I learned about grace, but that seems to be such a very difficult concept to understand what the, the, what grace actually is and how you give it and receive it. Most of us are trying to earn our way back. And again, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it can still be a very selfish thing. So even in 12-step recovery, I learned very quickly that helping other people really did make me feel good about myself. But it was still coming from a selfish place. And I think it's a bit of a trap. We call it two-stepping that you don't drink and you help other people. It said it's a blissful state and it's quite good as far as it goes. But when people tend to get around five years in recovery, it stops working. And if you haven't done the 12-step program, and the difference being the 12-step program starts relieving you of self and that starts bringing down the, the discomfort and the pain. And so I realised there was this massive change but a very important change in my life and that i described it like this i used to help people to get out of self 
which is kind of like that's all you're getting from it but then I learned to help people now I help people because I'm out of self and they're very different but I tend to grow when I'm helping people because I'm out of self I just tend to get relief when I'm helping people out of self and then it's not so nice for the other people because I'm just almost getting I was going to say relieving myself on them which I often say but I didn't want to say that here I'm getting relief <laughs> getting and, and well it making amends is like that it's like look you just come and relieved yourself on me and you've left yeah. feeling all happy because you said sorry but I feel terrible which I don't think you know, I'm, a, I'm a big step nine person I don't think most people understand or do step nine they don't understand how important it is so they don't really do it and so they don't really get the benefits from it that yeah. how important it is to learn how to make corrective measures because I don't want to be helping people just for myself all the time it's um and you find guilty people generally do that and their children yeah. stay angry at them because it's like even though you're being kind you're still it's about you not me you still don't yeah. you care more about you than me and that's yeah. such an unhealthy relationship it really is and i think going through that 12-step process is about learning to 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 give altruistically unconditionally it's like when you realize that actually you've been saved for a reason and the reason is so you can be of service to to others um it isn't optional really i mean people make me laugh sometimes and they're like oh yeah you know i'm thinking of being of service it's like that's for me that's been the whole purpose of my recovery is i've been set free from me yeah. <laughs> actually yeah. So I can be a, a real service to to God, you know. And and the when I the work I do is I do, I don't take any glory for it really. If it works out, it works out great. If it don't work out, it don't work out. You know. If it does work out, I give the glory to God because I think well, God provides. God provided this hub. God provided them books. God provides the tea and the coffee via Marks and Spencers and Gales. But you know, if if I don't take responsibility for people's recovery. They have to do that. That's between them and, and, and their God, their higher power. Um, but it is so important that you do engage in a process and and trust the process because often people don't. They just keep going round and round and round and round in this absolute insane merry-go-round of denial if you if you want to read something really interesting if you're out there and you are affected by somebody else's uh, drinking or drug taking go onto the Al-Anon website and read the merry-go-round of denial that is a really good starting point to be honest because that is that is the loop that you're in if you if you just keep Enabling, enabling, enabling. You're just in. You're just in this absolute merry-go-round of because denial. It, where... Even like putting it back in there that they're saying, yeah, but I am helping. I am giving. I am self-sacrificing. I am. But again, I think when it's coming out of self, it's kind of like that. You're willing to give sort of fat, fat kid cake, and you think that's kind of loving, but it's really not. Ultimately, you're causing harm and that's going to lead to their death but it makes you feel good and not to give it to them would make you feel bad 
So again, so it's again all when about you sort self, of look back it? and say, why am I? It's all. Oh, well, I'm a. I'm sold on that. That that that. You know, the root of all our problems is self. And again, like I think, like you, quite. Um, quite well, just explained that it's that 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 God is love and love is forgiving, but there is a way to give and and it's learning that's the process that i shouldn't give and again in aa i got it's got a great line it says given isn't the most important thing it's knowing when and when not to is but sometimes that i want to give because it would satisfy myself but i know they're going to be angry at me or people aren't going to like me if i don't yeah. give but not giving is the right thing and mm. that can cause a bit of a struggle with your ego and I think the more that I've learned to um, to figure out when and when not to give, because it's it's easy for me to give, but that doesn't mean I'm actually helping. It's just yeah. trying to satisfy myself again, and it's hard. Yeah, that's you're a difficult to appease yourself. With people have got you? children, and yeah, I think that's the the hurt, isn't it? And I think so. When you address your own hurt, then you, there's not such a strong need to do that because I feel so sad for um, people that again I, I, you know in recovering I do see it more I think men have it it's just a lot more hidden and a lot deeper but certainly some of the women that I've known in recovery that have children that have gone through their addiction and um, the 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 difficulties the, the challenges that they face of restoring them relationships that again is it can be such a difficult process and again without a lot of understanding and a lot of support I think it can be almost impossible because I've often seen that these children get into their teens and become very aggressive very angry towards their parents and rightly so they've been terribly let down you know they've been abused you know the parents didn't do what parents should do and protect them and care for them. Um, but I've seen them ladies working through that terrible guilt, but without constantly trying to fix their children from the guilt. And even to the point, I think it's one of the most beautiful things I've seen in this world. It's almost Christ-like where the children are being so abusive and so aggressive. And I see the, the mothers almost with their head down, letting their child abuse them, which isn't right. But they're like, if that's what you need to do, you know, when they when they finally take the full responsibility for their part in it and say, do you know what, like, I deeply regret how my illness has affected you. But still, yeah. and, what are and you going to And to be honest, this is heal? why the kids need help. The kids do need help. I mean, mm, there's a great time. fellowship called Alatine. I don't know if you've ever heard an Alatine speaker. Oh, my yes. gosh. If Oh, I'll tell you what. But it's also absolutely empowering. And it it mm. it's heartbreaking in the sense that, yeah, these kids have been through a lot. But what's remarkable and absolutely miraculous is that they've actually come through and gone, do you know what, actually, 
I'm not going to let that narrative, that narrative has shaped my life, but it's not going to define my life anymore. And that's what recovery gives you. It gives you that clarity. Yes, of course, we, we're all shaped by our story. But you know, it, that our story doesn't have to define our future. We define our future with God's help. You know, yeah. if, well, we, if that, we seek guidance. Like that. When you feel powerless, sorry, when you feel powerless, that, that your ego or yourself becomes your higher power, and then that's not going to go well. No. Um, that just gets you in trouble. But then when people find... A lot of trouble. Well, yeah, because well, you, you're going to look for power in the wrong places. Yeah. And, and even like being horrible to people is trying to take away their power to increase your own. And I think yeah. when you learn that there's a power that is greater than yourself and you discover how you produce that power, then that's more of a preferable process to be engaged in in life I think is um, and I think that's for people like us that have discovered there is a power greater than ourselves you know we might call it God or whatever you want to call it but I'd rather attach to that power because I'm I'm not powerless anymore I've, yeah. I've become powerful I... over my recovery and, and I don't need to my mum and dad never had the power and so keep trying to get it from them other people haven't got my power. You know, they I can give it to them very easily. I choose not to these days whenever possible. Mm. I found a power that's inside myself that's greater than myself. That's your source. That's your it's that's like your source. new source. It's it's a renewed source, isn't it, on a daily basis. We get renewed daily. Yeah. And and like you, you know, I mean, it does make me chuckle a little bit when people get so caught up on the you know, the God thing, I call my higher power God. But you know what? I really don't mind what anybody calls their higher power or that, that power. For me, that that power of love is a higher power. You know, I had to keep it that simple at the beginning. Healthy love, not, not dysfunctional love, not codependent love, not where I want to crawl in someone's skin and live their life for them, but a healthy, loving like productive love that that's going to set me free is going to set you free you know but people get so caught up on what we call that power that love you know people say to me i always oh, the god thing that puts me off going to meetings i said look at it as good orderly direction do you need any of that that's what was said to me do you need any yeah. good orderly direction i was like i need shit tons of that stuff they said, right, well, go to these groups and find some good orderly direction through these people that you're going to meet and take what you want and leave what you don't. It's simple as that, really. If we can simplify this process. But I do think there's a lot of work to be done, um, Lester, out there. I think there's a lot of people that are really not living their best lives. You know, they are caught up in the this whole dysfunction of, uh, you know, relationships. And they're not having a relationship with themselves. They're not certainly not having a relationship with the power greater than themselves. But they're not have ultimately they're blocked. We call it, don't we, in recovery, which is you block block from the um, sunlight of the sunlight of the universe, yes. the spirit of the universe. That's it. Yeah, Claire, I'm going to start to finish up. But one thing I don't think we've heard about, and I'd like to hear about, is your relationship with your husband. 
since after the Priory and your life, a little bit about your life since you've come both, because again, it's nice you both come into recovery. The hours the last, so you're saying 25 years, how's that been uh-huh. for you? can't believe it. Oh my God, how long have you got? It's been amazing. And considering considering that the fact of the matter is, is I wouldn't have, I, I wanted this man to die, preferably, quickly at the end of, I, I would have preferred for, at the end of his drinking, at the end of, before he got well, I really just, the, the pain that he was in, and I loved him that much that I thought it's just going to be better that he dies. You know, it'd be mm. less pain for him to because the painful life he lived. Today he's a different man. Is a is a is the kindest man, the loving, the most loving man you could ever meet. We've got an amazing relationship. We don't live inside one another's skin. I get on with my life. He gets on with his life. We come together to have moments of beauty. Um, he's a very successful actor still. He, for the pennies, for the Lelly Kellys, that's what we used to tell the children when they were little. I'd say, where's daddy gone? I'd say, he's gone to work to get the pennies for the Lelly Kellys. Lelly Kellys are very expensive shoes for little girls. But he worked <laughs> so hard. He is the kindest man you would ever meet. He, he still goes to meetings. He still works a 12-step programme. He, he loves his life today. Of course, he, he struggles, as I do. We're human beings. We're not meant to not struggle. We miss one another immensely. But he's an actor and I run a charity. You know, so also says thanks God for FaceTime. We FaceTime maybe four or five times a day. We don't go to the same meetings, Lester. I'm not one of the, these couples that when, you know, when he's home, he'll come to meetings with me and I'll go to meetings with him. Right from the get-go, I was told by my sponsor, you don't go to meetings with your husband. It's That's very codependent behaviour. You find your meetings, let him find his. Um, and, and we... I'd have done anything that that, that woman had told me to do at the beginning because she was my, she was really, she loved me and she still does love me. Um, And she was guiding me. She was offering me support and some structure and some healthy structure. So we don't live inside one another's skin. I love him and his recovery. He gets on with it. I don't take his inventory, even though I did try very, in the early days, I used to try and do his inventory for him. Um, But because he's got, because he's found himself and because he knows who he is now. You know, in the early days when I'd get start trying to get busy and get involved in his recovery, he'd say, listen, I love you dearly, but I don't need you to do my recovery for me, so you don't even have to try. This is between me and God, and I'm on a path and I'm doing all right. So, so we learn to communicate differently, you know. We've got beautiful, absolute... He is the light of my life. I've got two beautiful children that we got in recovery that were IVF babies, so we had to work really hard for them. But, again, the greatest thing you can... Uh, one of the most profound things that you, uh, you can tell an addict is that they can't do something. And when we first got into recovery, we were told that we would never... We can't have children. It's like, do you know that we're both in recovery? We're going to do everything we can to be able to get babies now because you just told us we can't have them. So we ended up going and having IVF babies. So they're both little test tube babies originally. Amazing little things. They're 17 and 19. For me, they they are 
wonderful, wonderful, um, wonderful children of two recovering addicts. And, they, and both of them will say, you know what? The greatest, one of the greatest gifts you and daddy has ever given us is showing us that, it's, that people, that it's okay to not be okay, for one. And for two, that people can and do get well. Um, and that recovery is possible. You know, because there's not a lot of talk out there about, especially young people, there's not a lot of talk about recovery. There's a lot of talk about addiction. And we've never shied away from it with yeah. the kids. We've, we've always been really honest, age appropriate. But we've, you know, when they were little and we'd say, and they'd say, why don't you drink that purple juice like Anna's daddy does, like which was red wine? I'd say, oh, mummy's got an allergy to it. If, you know, like Ben at school had got a peanut allergy. You know, if he eats peanuts, he goes, he's, he breaks out in funny rashes, doesn't he? Mummy's a bit like that. So that's why she doesn't drink the, the, the red juice. But then as they got older, we... we we're more honest, you know. Both our kids know that we took it to the to the nth degree, um, and they've they've been educated. So I don't know what's going to happen to them. They both do like a drink, but they don't drink like me me, me or the daddy does. Like last night, my eldest daughter came back from university. She's at Bristol University. Kevin's away at the moment. He's floating around the um, Caribbean on a cruise liner performing um, Rock of Ages. No, We Will Rock You, the musical about Queen. And my eldest daughter came back from university yesterday, so treated us to a burrito from got delivered for dinner. And she said, oh, I, I fancy a beer with my burrito. So I said, all right, sweetie. Well, the, obviously, we don't keep alcohol in the house. So she went out and come back with two bottles of beer and her and her sister sat at the burrito and and this bottle of beer lasted them all night. And it's still, I'm still staggered when I, I, I look at them and I go, Weirdos. Wow, you two just weird drinkers. <laughs> One of them had a party the other week and they had two bottles of wine and they still had half a bottle left when the old friends had left. Like, who are yeah. these children? They, my wife's they, like they, a Jamaican, really... and, and when I go to parties, sorry, when I go to parties, they, they they bring the alcohol in, and it's like a few cans and a couple of bottles, and I'm doing the math and thinking that's not going to do. Doesn't, and I'm worried. <laughs> I'm thinking I'm going to have to go and get some more alcohol. And at the end of the night, which is about five six in the morning, there's at least half to three quarters of it left. <laughs> I know, staggering weirdos. Yeah, yeah, they Honestly, have a great time. I really, yeah, yeah. But but our kids, I mean, our kids are really really knowledgeable, and they talk to me about it. You know, like when the the eldest was going to first have a drink, she sat me down and she said, "Mummy, I want to talk to you about. I'm going to have a drink tonight at a party, and I just want to know how you feel about that." <laughs> I was like, "Bless her." I said, that's very kind yeah. of you, sweetie, to chat. She said, I just wanted to make sure that you wouldn't be upset if I came back a bit drunk, a bit a bit giggly, she said. I said, I yeah. really appreciate you asking me, but no, I, of course I don't mind. You go and fill your boots, precious. Um, I know that I'll always be here. I mean, I don't encourage them to get absolutely pie-eyed where they need lifts, but, you know, on one occasion she rang me up from a party and she said, oh, mummy, we're... we're, we're I can't remember where she was. 
somewhere like Lewis. We're at Lew in Lewis at a party. Um, we can't get the train home and one of the girls' dads has offered to come and pick us up but he's had a drink, he's in the pub and he said he'll come and pick us up. She said, and I don't want to get in the car with him to be honest because I don't know how much he's had, had to drink. So I said, to be honest, you've done the right thing. I'll come and pick you up, don't worry. So, yeah, we've got a really good relationship with the kids. Open, honest. Kev goes to meetings on his ship. So he, he, there's a meeting every day on the ship that he's on, Anthem of the Seas. Called, the meetings are called Friends of Bill W. Uh, <laughs> 10 o'clock every morning. So he goes to those meetings yeah. on the ship. So recovery has delivered a good life. Oh, the best life. The best life. You know, my mum and dad have both passed away now, but the, I was able to be there for them. I was able to be the daughter that they deserved, not the pain in the arse that I was. The drama queen that, that was like a whirling dervish. I was able to be the beautiful daughter. It was hard and don't... Anybody shouldn't have to see anybody through dementia. But I saw both of my parents through the mm. to the end of life. I was able to be there every day for them and to love them unconditionally. Mm. Have a laugh. <laughs> so often you can have a laugh, but, yeah. you know, um, recovery is giving me makes everything. It's all worthwhile, isn't it? Yeah. It's not even a... It's honest all, God, Lester, you know, it's not about the drinking. It's not about the drinking. It's about yeah. the life, the living that we that we get to live. Yeah, I can yeah, do it. The beautiful again, I think lives. Sort of growing up, growing up, being ill-equipped to deal with with the world and relationships, and learning to get equipped in all of that. And again, making an effort is, you know, I've, um, made a big effort to to deal with my issues and lots of therapy and, like you say, courses and groups and weekends and books and podcasts yeah. and lectures and you know accountability and made a big effort to improve as a person and still maintain my personal identity and be myself it's it's been a lot of work but it has proud of my life and i and yeah. i do thank recovery and i do thank god and and i feel a bit hurt a lot of the time actually i've got to just say this is that when i'm on like i go on linkedin where i think is where i see see you guys and then Kevin getting his 20, 25 or 28 years 25. recently. Congratulations to him for that, because that takes a Thank lot of work. And, and you're saying for yourself. But you, you just get people that seem angry at the suggestion of 12-step recovery. And I think, I wish they'd listened to more. Look, I know we're not for everybody, but I've got to fly the flag because it's been so good to me. And I see it's so good to so many people, including their families and their children. And yeah. It's like you, 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 I feel a bit hurt when they're angry at it, <laughs> like like we're doing something yeah. wrong or saying something wrong because we're suggesting that you can actually be successful without um, drinking and taking drugs. Yeah. And you know what? I, I, I too can sort of touched by those people but these days i just think you know what they they probably don't know they've not been to the places that we've been and had to do the things that we had to do to get well you know i i i will help anybody here and if they don't want to engage in a 12-step process i connect them to cgl cgl gets seven million pound a year to they're commissioned by the government 
you know, they offer them all sorts of different therapeutic routes and smart recovery and ACT and CBT therapy and this, that and the other. And you know what? I don't go, oh, no, I can't help you. I say, OK, well, I'll connect you to these guys. These guys might. Yeah, they're, they're, they're more equipped to help you than I am. I can only give away what I've got. And like you say, we can't we can't deny the fact that we've had our lives transformed by the 12 step program. I mean, I am the great, I'm a, like a serious cheerleader for the 12 step, all of the 12 steps. Don't matter, wait, there's 33 fellowships around. Start somewhere, you know. And if you need therapy, get some therapy. If you want to go to one of those other groups, go to those other groups. But what I'd say is start the ball rolling. You know, change is possible. And it's, a, and they say in recovery, don't they? In 12 step recovery, they say you get a life beyond your wildest dreams. And you really don't understand the enormousness of that statement until you've got a life beyond your wildest dreams, you know, to be able to just do the things that I do in my life. I can hand on heart say I knew nothing about life and about how to treat people and about how to live life before I got into recovery. It was all very superficial, it was all very shallow, it was all very materialistic. And it, recovery has given me everything. So, yeah, I'm a serious champion. And I have to pray for the ones that, that, that hate 12 steps and pray that they find their, their pathway. But for me, I'm bigger cheerleader. Get me pom-poms out. Sure. Well, Claire, I think that's going to leave it there. I just want to say thank you very much for talking to us and I um, would really like to talk to you about some other subjects in the future. Um, I think um, Matt, uh, our man, will make sure that all the links for Kennedy Street, um, uh, they'll be able to find them in the information part of the podcast. And... Uh, just want to say again, thank you very much. God bless and hope to get down there some point and have one of them cheesy sandwiches. Toasty. Toasty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks, Lester, for having me. All right. God bless. Thanks, thank Matt. you. Oh, God bless. Lovely.